trees shining in through the open doorway at the far end of the room, the light slanting in with an orange tint. Now it was evening, almost night. A kerosene lantern sat on a table, but it had not been lit, and so it was quite dark in the pavilion. The beds, the patients, and the blue walls were fading from view, becoming soft and imprecise. Then Loki and Belly could hear voices from the outside, the sounds of people talking, and then the voices were coming closer, a couple of people. She could hear footsteps, the squish of rubber boots on wet concrete, and she could see flashlight beams, spots of light bobbing up and down on the walls and along the floor. Then two figures were inside the pavilion. They moved among the beds, stopping for a moment at the different patients. One of the figures had a miner's lamp strapped to his head, and it lit up his gloved hands as he washed a patient's skin with a cloth. After a while, one of the figures came toward Loki and Belle. How do you feel? he asked in French. Loki and Belle gasped for air. He felt her pulse. Finally, she said, Water, please, juice. A plastic water bottle sat on the table across the room. The figure walked to it, poured out some water into a cup, and brought it to Loki and Belle. She did not extend her hand for the cup, so he reached down and supported her head, and she took a few sips. Then the figure moved away, the flashlight glare now out of her eyes. She saw that both of the men were leaving, moving back out of the pavilion. She saw the spots of light bobbing to and fro around the room. They were the last things she saw. Next morning her body was sprayed with bleach, placed in a white plastic bag and sprayed again. Then it was put on a gurney and wheeled to the morgue. The morgue was some distance from Pavilion 3, down the covered walkway and back out across the grass. The small concrete building had a single door, a door that was always open now, because there had been so many deaths at Kikwit General Hospital. A line of other bleach-sprayed bodies covered the floor of the morgue, and the attendants placed the body of Loki and Belle next to them. It was not the ideal place for any sort of post-mortem procedure, much less for a formal autopsy. There were no stainless steel examination tables here, no floodlights, no automated scales with digital readouts giving you the precise weight of each of the body's various organs as you place them in the hopper. There was just a concrete floor, oozing and slippery with blood, bodily secretions, and sprayed bleach. But a tissue sample would prove beyond doubt what it was that Loki and Belly had died from, and so one of the figures from the night before, masked and gowned, wearing a cap, goggles, and a clean white surgical apron, now crouched over the body bag. He opened up the body bag. He pushed back a layer of clothing, revealing Loki and Belly's dark skin. He swabbed the skin with alcohol, and then carefully, deliberately, making sure that the sharp edge of the knife pointed away from himself at all times, he made an incision into the abdomen, just above the navel. He pulled back the skin flaps, made another incision, and found the liver. He shoved a biopsy needle into the liver, twisted it, and pulled it out again. He turned and dropped the sample into a plastic vial, which he placed into a box. He closed the body bag, he picked up his scalpel and sample box, stood up, and took a last look around. Then he got out of there. Chapter 1. The Call Word of the Kikwit outbreak reached the Centers for Disease Control at 4.20 in the afternoon of Saturday, May 6, 1995. Unfortunately, on Saturdays, the CDC was closed. So instead of going into the main switchboard, the call came into the reception desk in the lobby of the administration building, where it was answered by Diane Hairston Nash, a security guard who worked there nights and weekends. The caller was not, as might be expected, 
a harried doctor at the Kikwit Hospital, nor was it a Zairean public health official. The caller was one Julia Weeks, an American physician at a private nonprofit clinic in Zaire, who at that moment was speaking into her personal cellular telephone while sitting on a bench overlooking the tennis courts at the British Embassy in Kinshasa. I think we've got an outbreak of Ebola virus down here, she said over the phone. I'd like to talk to somebody about it. She'd learned about the epidemic just that very morning. She'd been at work at the Zaire American Clinic, of which she was the medical director, when a friend of hers, Larry Streshley, who did public health work for the Presbyterian Mission in Kinshasa, stopped in for a piece of advice. He'd been in radio contact with a hospital in the interior of the country, in Kikwit, where there was this huge outbreak of red diarrhea, also known as Shigella. He was getting a bunch of stuff together to send on a plane that was to go from Kinshasa to Kikwit, Julia Weeks recalled later. He was getting together drugs.